0: And psychology with Tavana. A very warm hello to our Radio Bomb out listeners. Uh, another day, uh, Sunday. We are sitting with Dr. Daniel Rockers and Dr. Alexandrati, uh, my two colleagues and friends uh, from Tavana organization. It is really. Um, I I personally really appreciate that on a Sunday, I'm sitting with um, two psychologists that uh, they have so much probably in their life to do. And uh, now they're here just to support and just to have a program for our listeners. Um, So in that situation, we are trying to see what we can do from our part, even if it's a little piece to make everybody's life um, better. So with that, today, um, we want to talk about positive psychology, what is positive psychology, and how we can actually establish that mindset um, in our personal life to be positive. As much as we know, um, the positive psychology came along Uh, by Martin Suleyman, who was the president of um, uh, Psychological Association in 1998. And during that time, the theme that he brought to the psychology world was a branch of psychology that was called positive psychology. And with that, um, basically, he built that upon um, other... um, humanistic movement that happened with um, a certain uh, famous psychologists like Abraham Maslow, um, like Carl Rogers, and, uh, and the Dr. May, and all those uh, psychologists who built this humanistic psychology. And then he built upon that. And it's called positive psychology with positive psychology, psychologists usually or not usually always uh, talk about the positive in life. And rather than getting into all the negativity, um, all the issues that in the past, it was the behavior of even psychologists like ourselves that we always went through um, what is wrong in the mind. Um, Yeah, basically like um, the psychological issues behind the mindset of, people who were not behaving well or mental health issues um, negative behavior but all of a sudden it was just the idea of why do we go there why don't we start talking about everything positive how can we make people's life happier how can we make people to think about all these positives that they have in life and uh, consider basically the factors that they bring happiness, the factors that um, they bring um, healthy living. So today I like to bring that, and especially in our world with um, dealing with so many issues that people bring to our mind, how can we start really talking about all these positives, in people's life?
1: So instead of a focus on pathology, we're gonna focus on it's good. Sure figuring yes. out what's all this what's wrong with me we can focus on maybe what's right with life
0: absolutely yes instead
1: of what am i trying to get away from we might be thinking about well what do i want to move towards
0: yeah be- because uh, we know as psychologists that our mind always goes and remembers what confirms what we believe in what confirms that what happens to us and that victimization that stays in us. And we don't want to get out of it. Maybe it's a comfort place to be that is always complaining about this happened to me, or my parents did this to me, or um, when I was married, this happened. So we'd like to stay in that comfort zone, and always complain, rather than getting ourselves out of that situation, but even not wanting to go there and try to just see the half full of the, gla- uh, the glass.
2: I think in our training too, it's it's one of those things I'm reflecting on, uh, you know, a lot of education and the training. I mean, first question we ask when we sit down with somebody is, you know, what's wrong? You know, what's going on? You know, what brings you into treatment? And I remember very consciously, even still, like I have to try to reflect on, you know, a person's strengths, you know, the supportive things. It's like we're looking to, especially in school, like you're looking to diagnose. So you're looking for, oh, what are their symptoms? What is their presentation? Uh, what diagnosis do they meet? Even with, you know, insurance and billing, you have to have a diagnosis in order to provide treatment to an individual uh, through their insurance. So sometimes people will be looking for that diagnosis and those symptoms associated with different diagnoses versus. And, and then secondary to that, maybe thinking, okay, what are strengths? What are some things that are positive? And so, you know, it's something I've had to, and I still, you know, try to incorporate uh, in, my, in my thinking and as I'm interacting and talking with somebody in a professional setting. Similarly, it's one of those things where I can't help but note, like I have an intake packet and I can't help but note two things. One, that the last question I ask on the intake packet is what are your strengths? and the number of people who don't answer that question. And I usually bring it to the person's attention. Um, and I think it's twofold. It's one, that it, that's the last question I ask, but then also two, that it's a difficult or a challenging question for people to ask to the point where they'll leave it blank. I've had patients who very diligently filled out every other aspect of that, that intake packet to, to thorough detail. However, when it comes to you know what are some of your strengths or interests or uh, uh, you know hobbies, and blank. And so, and again, I think it's just that that mindset uh, in our field that really, unfortunately, sometimes, you know, has, has kind of pushed that or encouraged that.
1: What do you uh, what do you say to them or how do you work with that? That's a great jump off piece. I like that. I oh, it is.
2: It is thing. a great. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I start, I say, well, you know, thanks for filling out the packet. I can't help but notice. It uh, looks like, you know, uh, that last question might've been a little tough or, uh, you know, you, you might've not got to it. And they'll be like, yeah, it's, you know, uh, it's, I didn't know what to say, or yeah, I don't, you know, really like to acknowledge, you know, um, I I don't think I have a lot of strengths or something like that. And, and I'll kind of touch on that and even incorporate that into treatment. You know, sometimes it's hard to acknowledge our strengths sometimes, you know, when, if I ask you what's wrong or what's problematic, you can instantly list five things. But if I ask you what's right, you have to really search and kind of struggle to kind of find that answer um and so you know i encourage them you know part of the, the process of therapy sometimes is being able to acknowledge both our challenges as well as our strengths. And so we can kind of find that balance to help us as we're going through some of those more challenging things. And so, yeah, I do find it as a great jump off point and in kind of, uh, especially when I'm starting treatment with somebody, I think it brings a little bit of hope to them too, that we're not just going to focus on all the problems you have or all the things that are wrong with you, but we're going to focus on some of the things that are right with you too, because... It reminds me of the idea, you know, I've, I've, I tell people in in my uh, theoretical orientation, there's the idea, talked a little bit about self-psychology, but that there's not a broken person, but I think we can feel broken at times. And so it's one of those things where there's some good, there's some strength, there's some positive in everybody. It's just sometimes we're the last ones to see it within ourself. So Dan, what, are your,
1: what are your strengths? Just kidding. That's a great question. There you go. There you go. What are your strengths? Tell everybody. You used to like my (laughs) question. Not
0: not now. Yeah, one of your strengths definitely is questioning. You know. So, uh, no, Alex. Absolutely, this is great, and that's why solution-focused psychologists really focus on. Okay, let's solve the issue that you have rather than going deep into what happened. Um, And then when you ask a question, like when you get up tomorrow morning and you see your issue is resolved, what are things that have changed? Just think about it. And immediately they know what have changed. So then we can work on that part that they say, like, this is going to be different. This is going to be different. And then they don't realize how much they have power to make those changes because tomorrow morning you get up and things are different as long as it's not based on other people's actions. So if you are dependent so much on other people's actions, so you're sitting there to react to their actions, yes, of course, it's not going to be resolved. But if you feel like you're empowered to have such an action that you are strong enough to stand on your feet and think of you rather than be reactive to other people's action, it's going to be different. So that is strength, inner strength. um, is not in everybody. How do you do that with patients that they don't have that inner strength to think that I don't have to just wait to see what happens to me to react rather than be as strong as a person who can see things differently and see themselves as such a big part of every interaction.
2: Reminds me of this idea, too. And there's this great book by uh, Ernest Wolfe, who is one of the, um, we're not protege, I guess protege of um, uh, uh, Kohut, who's the originator of uh, self-psychology. And in his um, description of self psychology. He talks about the immersion and, and the development of the idea of self. And in our society, in our culture, the idea is that if something doesn't, if something doesn't happen. Well, let me let me take a step back for a second. A lot of times in our culture, in our view of society, it's like this idea that we can pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. We can succeed. We can work hard, and we can excel. Well, that's a great notion, except for well, what happens when things don't happen. The reality is sometimes in life, no matter how hard you work, things don't turn out. And you know, no matter how much you try, sometimes things don't go the way that you expect. And so in our, I think in our, in our society, in our culture, what that does is opens the door to the idea of, well, it must be me, that something must be wrong with me. And it creates a lot of shame and guilt and potential for criticism of oneself. And and so it's tricky because that thinking can really empower a person but it can also really kind of tear down a person too, or lead them to kind of tear down themselves that I'm, it must be me, I must be broken. I must not be strong enough. The problem, you know, I see others excelling. A lot of times people will tell me, oh, you know, my friends are doing well, or people are, you know, especially social media. I see people on social media, they're posting all these things. And so it must be me. And that's a lot of times that much easier explanation to give ourselves. We can say, well, I've looked around, Everybody else seems like they're doing okay. And so the answer is, it must be me. Something must be wrong. But I think that's, and again, I think in our culture and our society, it encourages that sometimes too much versus the idea that, you know, we all have difficulties. We all have challenges. We can't always know what other people are going through, but we tend not to gravitate towards that instead we're wanting to understand, you know, why we're experiencing what we're experiencing. And and unfortunately, it could lead to us kind of going inward and being very harsh, very critical of oneself.
0: Right. And and, uh, that is uh, the problem of our society, that uh, we see success in um, one way. And success has a meaning that we all are shooting to get there. But success can be different for different people. But we don't see that as a separate um, you know entity we see that as a societal as a global and we have sort of uh, ideal or example of a success that is way far from our abilities or from where we can go with that and that's why we get depressed but if I see success from my own personal perspective and where I am in my life but obviously, when I look at, for example, let's say if I'm a young person starting life and I look at all these clips, p- uh, young people living in mansions and doing all sort of things, which they might not even be there, but they show off like that and they put those clips. I want one of those mansions. I want one of those cars. I want one of those, you know, interactions with the group that they show. there yeah. Their- but I don't see that the potential, the uh, situation where I am in my life, but I only see what I see is that looks good. So I think, again, we are back to accepting where we are, who we are, you know, where we want to go with that. Is this the lifestyle that it's ideal um, for me, or is it just uh, in such a moment that I like to have that? With that, I want to um, start a short break and come back to have um, this conversation. Shervani uh, Ganazizay Radio Bamdad. من به همراه دو تن از همکارانم دکتر اندرادی و دکتر راکرز امروز یکشنبه در خدمتون هستیم ما روزهای شنبه و یکشنبه از شرکت توانا که یک شرکت غیر انتفاعی هست برنامه داریم و خواهش میکنیم اگر کسانی هستن که از برنامه ما به زبان انگلیسی استفاده میکنن دعوتشون کنین روزهای شنبه و یکشنبه ساعت تا یک بعد از ظهر به برنامه ما توجه کنند. امروز ما راجب روانشناسی مثبت صحبت میکنیم و و تا اینجا اومدیم که روانشناسی مصبت جوری شروع شد و اینکه ما به عنوان روانشناس با افرادی که مشکل دارن چجوری برخورد می کنیم و چه چیزایی مد نظر هست که باید آدم هایی که مشکل دارن بهش توجه داشته باشن برمی گردیم و در خدمتون هستیم We're back with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade, and uh, we continue our conversation about positive psychology, positive uh, way of looking at life, and dealing with uh, problems uh, in a different way. Uh, One of the things uh, that is very important to um, consider is, um, you know, paying attention to what kind of lifestyle each person has been in, if someone has been always criticized by their parents, by the um, teachers, um, by the, you know, everyone that they're dealing with, it is so hard to bring that person out of that situation. I guess it's just um, important that because usually when they come to us, they look up to what we say so we play a very very important role to really bring those things that they share and say this is how you've been raised this is what you've been heard obviously you would think that you know you can't do it you're not able to and all this negativity but let's look at this way of thinking I don't know how effective that could be But I have had several positive um, outcome of working with people and feeding them with, you know, you have to put across in whatever has happened to you because that was not right what you had heard that was not right what they told you you have so many capabilities you have so many things in your future that you can approach and and gain that you can really say goodbye to whatever you have heard i know it's not easy but it's possible so i want our listeners to really understand if you had a situation where in life you had only heard something that was um, negative or or maybe sometimes so negative you took it so negatively. But think of how powerful you are and how much you can really um, change that. So the power within us is so much that um, we can change anything we want, but we have to have that belief that now I'm in charge. All this time, I was unfortunate to be in a situation that was filled with negativity, put down, and all of that. But this is how I can change it.
1: Positive belief unlocks amazing energy inside. And it can show up as simple as, for me, like if there have been things I've been putting off to do, like before I go on a vacation, and then... As I get ready to go on vacation, I start knocking these things off the list. And what I realize is that a lot of those things I put off really didn't take very much time at all. But that energy that gets created by knocking a few things down, that's magical energy because that's motivational on a track. And it just gives us confidence and we can knock this out and now this out and this out. Hey, what about this? Let me see how I can get going on this. So, yes, I totally agree with you. I know when I was younger in my career, I had when I was in high school, even I'd wanted to pursue something in engineering, but I just did not have the faith in myself. And here about five years ago, I looked over some of my uh, test scores from standardized tests from that time. And I was scoring in the 99th percentile for science and math. So it would have been, it would that would have fit very well. What I've told some people is, you know, if somebody would have just taken 10 minutes to sit down with me and say, hey, Dan, you know what? You really got some skill here. Have you thought about X or Y? 10 minutes, 10 minutes. And I think my life would have taken a whole different. Uh,
0: absolutely, that that's huge. and. Being coming from the background of education, I can see then where the importance of. An educator in people's life, especially when you're in that situation. If people care, if teachers specifically know their students and know their skills and looking at their test scores, and not only that, because test scores in one as is one aspect, but just look at the interests of the kids in different situations when you're working with them. Sit down with them and encourage them to really look at this strength that they have in different areas of their academics and look at their interests as well. Get to know each student personally. We are, are not fortunate enough to have that one-on-one situation because the classrooms are full of uh, students, the bell rings, they come to the class, they leave. And we sometimes um, look at their test scores, which in your case, I'm surprised that because when it comes to the trimester, when you sit with um, students and parents, they should have really mentioned that, you know, you're doing so well in these areas and maybe your parents and you both could just come up with some ideas and some future planning. Um, You know, the good thing about the online and uh, virtual and um, independent learning now is that the teachers have, only few students that they work with, they get to know the students one-on-one, they get to know their interests, they get to know so many things about each of their students. These are the new era that teachers actually have a lot more access to a students' um, personal interests and Test scores, looking at the child as a whole, so that their voice, they don't maybe know as much as a psychologist, the voice of an educator in the kids' life is huge because the kids hear from their parents all the time, but they believe in their teacher. They usually see their teachers as a symbol of someone who knows. And if you as a teacher are a positive thinker and you can boost the energy in the kids and you look at different aspects of a child, you can make a huge difference in every one of your students' life. And if we each look at our past, we always remember one teacher out of every teacher we had throughout all the 18 years um, of our schooling or I mean, even less, you say, let's say during high school and 12 years, we each have probably one teacher that we always remember because those were the ones that they were positive. They saw the strength in us. They support us. They say nice things which boost our um, self-esteem. So the voice of teachers uh, is amazing in a student's life, in kids' life.
2: I find along those lines, it's it's it can be one of those easy misses too, because uh, I find a lot of times it's not intentional. It, it may have not been like you were purposely ignored or anything like that. It's just sometimes that idea, like, okay, that kid's doing good enough, so you know he'll figure it out or he'll do whatever he's you know really passionate about. But I think it speaks to what you were just saying too. It's just that, that, that guidance and that connection sometimes, Um, you know, I come from a family where I'm I'm the first in my family to go to college and, and get my doctorate. And so I know I got to a level where my parents were like, okay, well, if that's what you want to do, do. And it wasn't that they were Uninterested in what I was doing, it was just unfamiliar in that way. So it was almost like, and I had to come to terms with that idea that they didn't know how to encourage me, they didn't know how to support me. Um, you know, I'm I'm lucky I was able to meet some people um in the field of psychology who were able to mentor me and guide me. Um, Daniel, I'm looking at you. And so it's one of those things where if I hadn't had that, I maybe would have been like, well, I don't know. Like, I guess I can do something else. Um, And it wasn't because somebody was like trying to derail me from success. It was just, you know, I, I didn't have that little bit of push, like you said, too. And it's not always the squeaky wheel that needs the grease sometimes. It's just a kid trying to figure it out. It's just, a, you know, and, and I think we're all trying to figure it out. Um, and, and similarly, re- related back to the whole positive psychology aspect of our, our talk, um, you know, it's just that idea of, you know, what are those things that have helped us in the past? And as we're talking about it, you know, and for listeners to be aware of, you know, the the importance and the value of of a mentor, of somebody who's supportive, uh, somebody who can, encourage us to to reflect on those times we have endured really difficult or challenging times. Um, We don't have to reinvent ways to get through our troubles. Um, We've probably endured quite a lot. I always remind patients when they come to see me in treatment, you know, there's probably been a lot through your life that you've gone through. And there's probably some things that you've done in the past to get through those things. And we can build on some of those things or even use things that have helped you before. So I think a lot of times it's a reminder that that strength is within us. It's just a matter of tapping into that or that that skill, uh, that ability is within us. It's just a matter of, you know, how do we tap into it? and, And how do we get support from others so that we can tap into it as well?
0: Right. And and I agree, Alex, because sometimes parents may not know due to the fact that um, it's not because they're ignorant um, and they don't pay attention to the child. It's just because they don't know any better. But from educators, you expect that they should know. Well, especially now, um, because I'm more involved to know what courses they take, what conversations usually have in a staff development. Um, They really, the expectation is that the teacher should really know that and they should really talk to the parents. So, you know, um, I have sat in so many IEPs or, or conversations with teachers. I agree that sometimes teachers are tired. They don't pay attention. But I know they that
2: they get paid so much for, you know, <laughs> uh, for you, all their, their hard problem? work <laughs> uh, they get paid millions of dollars, right. For all their hard work. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, but then they come into this field because they love it. And and if we put that uh, foundation as something that they really love to do, then they, they really don't pay attention to the amount of money they receive uh, based on how much work they put into their, their job. I remember it was at one point that I was counting the hours I was putting into my teaching. And honestly, I was just thinking I'm getting less than minimum wage. Wow. It's the amount of work, the paper that you correct. I mean, if you really are doing your job the way you should, you don't have even a weekend if you're teaching courses that you need to score their essay, their, their writing is not all computerized like... It is now most of the courses, but I mean, if you put that much time and you really are uh, focused so much on your job, you um, know your students, you work hard, but then on the other hand, I've sat at meetings that sometimes teachers, not because they were ignorant, not because, but as you said, Alex, there's so much going on that sometimes they miss it. There was a child that was not doing well, and by questioning at the meeting, we realized this child needed um, eyeglasses. And just simple of uh, as that. But how could I have thought of that? You know, I mean, I couldn't blame the teacher not knowing. I couldn't blame the parents not knowing. But out of just looking at the child not being able to read something in front of her, I just all of a sudden realized that this child may need Eyeglasses, and then you know what I mean—simple S- things that sometimes are on way that not only the child realizes, not only parents see that, not only teacher has pay attention. Um, there's so many details in a child that um, sometimes, un- unfortunately, even parents have a uh, little kids and they work two jobs uh they just they just pass by it we got to another break uh, we come back and continue our conversation shervandegan uh, aziz radio bombdad amruz dar khidmat dostanamun fa az sherkat tavana hastim dr anradi va dr rockers و در مورد روانشناسی مثبت دیدن چیزهای مثبت در افرادی که باشون کار میکنیم صحبت میکنیم مثلاً در رشته معلمی و در رشته روانشناسی که دو تا از هایی هستش که وقتی ما مواجه میشیم با افرادی که بهمون رجوع میکنن مثلاً در معلمایی که در مدرسه به هر حال انتظار میره که صحبت های مثبت داشته باشن روش های مثبتی رو به کار بگیرن برای بچه ها یا برای افرادی که به مطبه های روانشناس ها مراجع می و امروز ما بیشتر صحبتمون رو تمرکز دادیم به این مطلب برمیگردیم در خدمتون هستیم در قسمت آخر برنامه مون We're back with Dr. Rockers and Dr. Andrade and we continue our conversation about positive psychology, positive looking at life, and as teachers and psychologists how much um, influence uh, and effects we have on people that they come to our sessions or um, they come to our classrooms. So. By now, we were talking about the uh, uh, importance of, uh, you know, boosting the energy of people that they come to us, and even in a common um, lifestyle that we have and encountering with different people, we realize that how much you get energized by meeting some of the people in a casual setting when things are all positive and how much we are drained when we see people who talk all the time negatively. So how can we encourage people even in a normal setting to be positive? It's hard all of a sudden to tell a friend or to tell someone you're meeting that, you know, let's talk positive. How do we change that conversation how do we nicely move towards positivity
1: you mean instead of just saying boy you're sure a downer <laughs> you're a bummer or something yeah, you know? right Right. this is so uh,
0: kind of yes <laughs> you put it in exact wording
1: well i i suspect that leading by example can be a good way You can acknowledge somebody's complaint, but then also transition it to something that they do really well. And you could say, well, you know, I noticed that you actually, you do this one thing really well. And I've been thinking about that. So I'd like to be able to use that in in future meetings, something where you're highlighting using positive psychology to highlight something good about them. Because most of us, most of the people, if somebody's complaining, the way I see it, if somebody's complaining, they sure need a win somewhere in there. We all need wins, but especially who's people who are so down. I think also there is not to be missed, sometimes direct confrontation. You can say, you know, so negative, what's going on? Mm. Something like that. If you do it like that, I think it's not quite as much of a slap. Just like, wow, you're negative. And that's a drive-by. But (laughs) at least uh, present some degree of concern. Like, hey, what's going on? Boy, I noticed you seem kind of negative today. Is there something happening here? Tell me what's going on. That can be a good way of opening it up because it shows that you care and you notice something about them. And sometimes people really do need that. Alex, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I think people do need that sometimes the, the venting and stuff. And it just reminds me, I had a personal, uh, you know, personal side of a conversation uh, with a family member and they were adjusting to a new change. And, you know, there's a lot of things that were challenging with it. And, you know, I let him talk for a good 10, 15 minutes about the difficulties and the frustrations with it. And I kind of took a, a little bit more a confrontational approach. I was like, well, it sounds like a lot of things were difficult and, and challenging. And it sounds like those things have started to level out. Like, what's good about it or what feels good about it? And so I just kind of acknowledged, you know, we were kind of focusing on the negative a little bit more and there was maybe another side to it. And so kind of inviting space for that. So again, it's one of those things where people can respond to that. What do you mean I'm being negative or, you know, what do you mean that, you know, I'm focusing on bad things. Um, But again, I think he was able to to hear that. So you kind of got to gauge where the person is at too. Um, But yeah, you can you can say like, hey, let's let's focus on the the other side of this as well. Um, Recognizing that that can can give a person something.
0: Absolutely. I think it's really important that one person in the Uh, group that even when things are all sharing negativity of um, the events or current situation, people start falling into that. And one person, one negative person can bring down the group. So it is important that all of a sudden you realize that And you even again, another person, one person in the group can change the setting by just bringing some positive into the uh, mix and just say, hey, you know, let's just talk about something else. Let's just, you know, we can even change the mood of the situation. Um, So we have to be aware of that because it's so easy to fall into the negativity that has created. And some people are so good at that. Mm-hmm. They, can, they can really take over and share some negative issues. And it's not their fault because that's how they see the world and they want to share in their all honesty and sincerity that they have with the group. So they want to share. So maybe they don't have any room to share this somewhere else. So when they come to the group that they feel comfortable, they start sharing the negative thoughts, the negativity that is happening in the society. They take one instance of what has that what they have seen, or has happened, and they make this as a big thing that um, what we are facing with the society that this is happening. But right there, I, I think, Um, it's important that we question that. You know, where have you seen it? How many people are really getting into this situation? Do you have really a good number? So when you start questioning and changing this um, fact, you can always say, well, but on the other hand, there's so many good things happening and I've seen this, I've seen that. Because I remember when we started with COVID and we were all negative, And I remember uh, Daniel, uh, Dr. Rockers once said, yes, there's so many bad events or happening we see from people. But on the other hand, there's so many good things we see from other people. And all of a sudden brought this to the conversation because our conversation, I remember it was all about, yes, it was just the mood was negative. COVID was just new to us. And we were talking about, um, you know, how some of the events that are happening in the society are so negative and I remember all of a sudden Daniel you changed the setting by saying there's so many good things happening from people neighbors that they bring food to each other we see we observe uh, so many uh, good behavior of uh, and very humanistic behavior we see from people so Yes, this one person can all of a sudden change the atmosphere and the conversation that people have.
1: Yeah, you guys are so heavy, man. I just... uh... I know, I was
2: thinking, well, we're being some bummers here. Maybe we should tell ourselves. You know, <laughs> You're to, heavy duty. have to be some bummers. <laughs>
0: okay, so we've been bummers <laughs> we too. We have to admit to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we are close to the time. And I know that the Rockers, you have another plan going. So time is getting close to time you need to leave. Um, let's just have a very short break and then come back to say our final statement statements. Right, We're back uh, with Dr. Rockers, Dr. Andrade, and uh, our whole conversation was about uh, the positive psychology, the positivity, finding uh, things that we can boost each other's energy and mood. And now we are at the end of our program and uh, we start with Dr. Rockers.
1: Well, I think out of all this COVID thing, it- the general tendency is to focus on what's dangerous and potentially bad. But there also is that good aspect of things that have happened. I was just commenting to Jan a couple of days ago. I think a lot of things have changed in the city. Like there's more outdoor dining, people are more outdoors oriented. The alleys, some alleys have been converted to be seating and streets, and I hope some of those streets don't go back to auto traffic. I hope they stay with outdoor dining. So some good things have come out of this. It's good to focus on that, and it's a good skill to practice.
2: Yeah, I think Kurt, the idea in regards to kind of reflecting on, again, the emphasis being positivity. Um, you know, we're, we're all too familiar with what makes a bad day, but I think it's always good to ask ourselves qu- the question, you know, what makes a good day? Um, so that way, that reflection of that positivity doesn't have to come from external necessarily or others, but from within ourselves. you know, what makes a good day? And, and maybe what's something that we can do to kind of get on track with what a good day is for us.
0: And I want to go back to, um, you know, looking at the positive uh, of what we have gone through this year. there was obviously so many things that was concerning. But one thing to me that is' worth mentioning is being more um, into finding um, ourselves, you know we had more time to think about things. We had more time to, actually bring some of the issues that was happening in our life um, with social activities, with um, lifestyle that we questioned after experiencing a different lifestyle. Because sometimes we are rolling in a situation that we don't even stop to think. But this happened uh, and and it was a very good way of re-evaluating what we do and how we live. And I think this was very positive. And I hear in so many other people's, um, you know, saying that, yes, it, w- it had so many positives. So with that, I want to say goodbye to our listeners. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our conversation. We come back next week, and we continue our conversation about uh, current event or some psychological topics. كون صدام باور کن صدایی که تو خواستی باور دستمو بر تو چشاغه‌ی ناروزه شد بر من
2: چشمم مالو بانو ما
0: که یک قصیده خواجه شد واس بس یه عاشق شدم التخاب لحظه حسرت فریاد کردنه اسم کسی با صدامه اسم تو هر اسمی که هست مثل قذم aşığına gurbet vasıset misne
1: من هرگز نمیپرم ما در بوقول درخت
2: خشکی تو دسته و تا گرغا همیشه باغر که من به عشق بود
0: بابر کن حرف من و که من همیشه عاشقم